I used to not speak my needs and then I'd get mad because I I didn't even realize I could have my needs met. And then I would feel like there was power over me. And I didn't really feel the empowerment to realize I can have what I want. I can have what I want. And when I think about what I want, you know, when I was younger, I was like, I want to change the world. I want to build this thing that's really great. And I think part of that was to understand that I'm capable, to understand that I, to like actualize my gifts and see my gifts be created. But also I think so that I could justify that I was doing good things so that I could potentially remedy the fact that in my heart due to my trauma, I thought I was bad. Not in my heart, but in my my wounding. I was like, oh, actually... I'm not good and people are going to find out I'm not good and God actually is going to see that I'm not good. And so I'm going to do all of these things to balance that. And so I ran around, ran around, ran around trying to prove my worth and I did great things. I'm a, I, I did beautiful things. I'm a cool person in what I've created and there's something about it that's a facade because unless I am fully well and like giving myself that too, I can't maintain being this like giver that validates myself by being a giver, right? And so that was my burnout. It was learning how to have boundaries. It was learning that I could actually take time for myself. And in learning that I want time for myself, I don't have such grandiose dreams. I don't need to change the world. I just want to feel content in my own little corner. Prophecies have foretold, and wisdom keepers all know, that the rise of the feminine will restore balance to our world. In this podcast, we are on a journey to understand the root of the imbalance that has caused disconnection and dysfunction within our humanity, so we can emerge as leaders, creating a new story on Earth. I'm Lauren Walsh. And I'm Shayna Connors. With humble hearts and open minds, we will converse with spiritual teachers, historians, psychologists, revolutionaries, leaders, and healers to navigate these evolving times and reintegrate the feminine history that we have forgotten. Welcome to the Time of the Feminine podcast. Hey, everybody. We are happy to be here with you. Welcome to another episode of the Time in the Feminine podcast. It's been a few weeks. And before we begin, wherever you are, whether you're driving, you're in your kitchen, let's just all take a big, deep breath together. (sighs) Taking a pause and just tuning into ourselves, just giving ourselves the honor and the respect to feel where we are and take some deep breaths and tune in to the little one inside of us, the little one that's always there. She's never grown up or he's never grown up or they have never grown up and they're just there inside of us, experiencing our adult lives as children, sometimes kind of afraid of what's happening as the world shakes, as we shake, as we evolve, just saying hi to the little one. Hello. (laughs) I love you. Yeah. You know, the world around us moves and shakes and transforms and we shake and things happen. We are hurt by people. We have things going on in our families. We have disappointments at work. We have all of these things that the word is shake. They shake things up and create a storm in our lives. And often these storms are scary because our little ones are scared of them. And because we don't fully, truly know how to have faith that everything is actually shaking so that it can reconfigure in a better way, so that we can reconfigure in a better way. And this is the same for what happens inside of us and what's happening around us. And sometimes it happens within systems of people. We play different roles for different people. It's a whole 
interesting, <laughs> interesting conundrum that we find ourselves in often of having to relate to the things as they shake, as they erupt, really. And so this is an episode with Shana and I about how to become the eye in the storm, how to secure our faith that everything is happening for us, and to remember that what's happening in our lives right now is an opportunity for us to receive a gift from the divine, to be more well, actually, to be more whole. And so I hope that this episode today is a journey for you, healing for you, and whatever you're going through, this is the medicine you need because it is the medicine for us too. So we're just going to be sharing and sharing some gems we're learning around along the way. And uh, yeah, I'll pass it to Shayna. Hey, Shay. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. It's so good to be back here. I just feel like this is the place that I come to that I haven't been in a month or so that just like gives me space to be myself and to allow myself to speak my thoughts and what's going on. And so it's like the perfect time to be speaking because there's so much going on and I'm learning a lot and I'm getting extremely humbled. I was just talking to my friend and it's like, you've just been like stripped naked and like thrown on the floor, which is not the best way visual, but it's like, it feels like that. It feels like I'm so raw and I'm so vulnerable. And yet I'm like laying on the ground and like needing everything within me and my sisters to get up. And it's so uncomfortable. It sucks. And somehow, like through the tears, through the mud, through the yuckiness of all of it, there's something also very beautiful and very human. And I've thought to myself several times already, like from this higher perspective, right? Like it's not my normal monkey mind, but it's this higher perspective that reminds me that the humanness, the muck, the feelings that are uncomfortable, that's like why I incarnated as a human being. You know, if I wanted to be a spirit, I could be a spirit. But that's like without the human emotions. And this is like why I'm here is to feel human. And the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever you want to call it, like there really is like this distinction that we've made as human beings. But in reality, it's all just feeling. And so how can I just like lean into what's going on right now and not judge it so much, but just be available to what is coming and yeah. And learning too, because I'm a human, small human being, just doing my best, you know? So small little human being that is Shana, what is going on for you? Well, I think I'm learning that to walk slowly is to go farther you know, that there is something in being careful and being slow and doing less. And I haven't gotten there yet because at the moment I'm doing a lot and I'm doing a lot for a lot of people. And there's a part of myself that has been overgiving for too long and didn't know and is relearning what my boundaries are for myself and for my heart and for my little one, most importantly. And so it's this relearning process for me of like how to take care of myself. And to be honest, there's part of me that like feels embarrassed. There's like this raw part of me that feels embarrassed that I don't have it figured out. Like somehow in my 30s, I should know how to take care of myself. And there's another part of me that's like, it's okay. That's why we're alive. We learn. So yeah, I'm, I'm experiencing a heartbreak. I'm letting go of a lot of things that I identified with, potentially leaving my home. And most of it, I don't even know with certainty what's going to happen. It's like one day at a time. And even a month ago, I couldn't have projected what's happening now. So it's everything I thought was happening. It's no longer happening and new things are happening. And so I'm just trying to keep my eyes open and my awareness open 
to really pay attention and to slow down in the best way that I know how, given that I also have a lot going on so that I can be aware of the messages that are coming through right now because they actually feel really important. So I had the best summer and then I had the hardest time. And so it was like three steps forward, two steps back, as people remind me. And the two steps back weren't easy, but nothing worth it comes that easy. So I'm back at the the hard part, but that's okay. So do you want to give us some details? What happened? Meow. Well, with what part? Whatever part you want to share, girl. Anything at all. I'll share my stuff too. We're all community here. Let's talk. Well, I think I transformed my heart a lot this summer. And matters of the heart are not so simple. Our hearts, at least my heart, had been conditioned to be closed and guarded and really protected. And I spent a lot of time in prayer this summer, traveling with the Yawanawa, and just was doing a humble job of cleaning dishes and helping cook food. And honestly, it was one of the best times I ever had. It wasn't easy. And I was just learning a lot. And through all these prayers, I really got into connection with this part of myself that had shut down my heart and my ability to receive. And through singing and dancing and connecting to my beauty and also the beauty of those around me and the love that I had for these other people and nature, my heart like felt like it was reborn. Felt like I received a new heart, actually. Oh. That's what it felt like. And in that, I could actually fully love myself. There was like this feeling of self-love that kind of opened up the whole process of my heart healing in a way that I had never really experienced, where I just like started to just be like, oh my God, I love myself. I love who I am. I love my name. I love everything I was given in this life. I love all the things I have to overcome and all the obstacles and all the challenges and all the things. Like, I'm just happy. I wouldn't trade myself, my life, or any other life. Like, I'm happy with this incarnation. And through this process of healing my heart, like, you know, for a long time, I've been calling in a relationship. I've been single, more or less, for six years. And I say more or less because I've opened myself for like a few weeks to somebody and then it closes very quickly. And during this summer with my heart opening, I kind of felt that I'm more ready than I have been to meet somebody. And I did meet somebody and I really enjoyed it. And I opened my heart a lot and I just trusted the gift and the experience of life and I tried my best not to think too much about it or worry too much about it because there was a lot of circumstances that maybe weren't like the most ideal. And I ultimately ended up getting super hurt. And through that process, I learned a lot because, you know, because of this trying to just be open to what the universe had for me, I was open and the universe also had a spear. <laughs> And so the universe likes to do that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And it was so awesome in one sense because I've told Lauren for a long time, I can't cry. I feel like a desert. This is so hard. I want to cry, but I feel like I can't. And I think a lot had to do with my ability to be vulnerable. But when the spirit came from my heart, there was nothing I could do except cry. And like in the tears, in the sadness, in the pain, in the like, sheer bitterness I just sobbed and there was part of me that was so thrilled it was like having a drought in California like we have and receiving rain or you know in one of these places on the planet that desperately needs rain I felt like that myself and so it's been really interesting working with heartbreak I like physically manifested a flu and have been 
expressing my grievances <laughs> through email and Instagram, which is also totally new and raw for me. And that has its own consequences too. And I'm just learning through it all. It's like, it's kind of funny in a way because it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just like doing my best and trying to figure out how to take care of myself and, you know, work and yeah, just live in this world that seems so dense and crazy and heavy and all the things. And so that's one part of what's been going on in my life. And so I'm here today feeling raw, but also like good and so happy for my sisterhood because I feel like these women are the remembrance that I am so grateful for that I've built through yeah, my work on myself and my dedication to my relationships that haven't been easy either. And yeah, there's a lot there and there's more where that is too, but <laughs> I'll stop for now. <laughs> I just want to tune in to all the women here who can relate to having your heart totally opened and then totally squashed and then crying, 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 but having sisterhood really help heal the heart. It's such a important thing, our sisters, really is. And just the beauty and the vulnerability of doing the work to examine the shields around the heart and to even knowing that it might not be fully safe, put down the shields, open the heart, and then when the spear comes, not close it again, but allow the waters to repair the heart. Because it's like, I think we shield because the heart's already wounded, right? It has a wound from the past. And so we're like, ooh, shield. And then we don't allow the love in to the same degree. So we don't love ourselves as much. We don't love other people as much. And then we kind of get privy to that. And we're like, okay, I need to open my heart. And we open it real, real big. And it hurts again. And the lesson isn't like, see, you got to keep your heart closed. The lesson is, if the universe is doing this for me, then this spear actually isn't a spear. It's actually just this like really hard medicine to heal the wound that I that was there that made me close my heart in the first place. And it's kind of a reenactment of that wound, like a reenactment of the original betrayal. Mm -hmm. You know, do you feel that? Yeah. And as you say that, it reminds me of like a pass through. It's like right before you heal something that the actual thing itself happens again in another way. So you can actually learn like for good. Yeah, exactly. And what I've I've realized a lot about this, and I feel like there's not as much commentary about this, or at least maybe because I hadn't experienced it yet, I haven't been so aware of it, but how much our first relationships affect all of our relationships. You know, yeah, I, it's real. I was talking to a friend about this and my first relationship ended in this like awful betrayal. The guy cheated on me. It was horrible. And then he, it was horrible. There was a lot of horrible things. And I was 16 and through my upset this week, I've been talking to other girlfriends and I had one friend who is also experiencing a heartbreak. And we both were going back to our first relationships and both finding that what was happening was a healing of this original betrayal, this right. first relationship. And so in some ways we were like re-manifesting that trauma in order to heal it. But I feel like it's not talked about that much. Like she wanted to blame it on something that happened in childhood or say that it was healing something from childhood. And the reality of it is it's most likely from our first relationship, but I don't know. I don't feel like that was such, like it wasn't something that I originally knew. It just kind of appeared. You know, I had these experiences with girls when I was really young and it started with one girl and I, we were going around the track we had this game where you had to walk a lap and you would get a popsicle stick for each lap. And 
I was new to a school and I really wanted to be friends with these girls. And we're like going around and all the girls are making jokes, like burning each other, being like, your hair is da 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 It was like a funny game they were playing. And I'm new to the school. I don't know the culture. And I'm like, I'm going to play the game. And I made a joke about this cool girl because I wanted to do it to the cool girl, the girl I really wanted to be friends with, who was like the leader of the pack because I really wanted her to like me. And I made this joke that went too far. I said, pointed my popsicle sticks down and I said, you're hairy down there. And I realized that I made that joke probably because at home I was exposed to things I probably shouldn't have been exposed to. And so we were at that age to where she probably actually was having a few hairs down there. And I crossed a massive boundary, like a massive boundary. She flipped, like totally flipped, ran crying. And I became this monster. I was a monster. And that began the years of bullying I received. And it was like, I mean, I've not seen TV shows that convey the level of bullying that I experienced. It was really intense. And then I just carried this vibration of girls don't like me. And I've carried that vibration into adulthood. And I've had these experiences where because I have the vibration, girls don't like me, I freeze. Like my nervous system will freeze in like big groups of women. Not when I'm facilitating and not when there is like a container where I really trust the facilitator. And like, it's like an like, like that's why I love women's circles because it's like, we're going to be real here. We're all going to take off the masks. But if it's not contained like that, my nervous system can kind of freeze. And when I freeze, I kind of disassociate, and but I keep going. Like I keep acting like I'm okay so I can come off disingenuine or disinterested. And women are like, I don't like her. And so I've been vibrating at the original wound of the story, girls don't like me. And because I'm vibrating at it, And like, for instance, like men cheat on me is a story that one person could vibrate with because I'm vibrating that I create that because my little girl inside of me who has way more authority over my emotional state than I like to give credit for, she believes that. And so my work, when I go into a group of women, instead of doing the, I'm not safe, girls don't like me, it's to be like covertly having a conversation with my little girl being like, hi, I love you. I like you. (laughs) I like you. And it's like, you know, I'm learning how to do that and I'm not always doing a great job, but it's a learning. And I've had to go through these experiences in my adulthood where like groups of women don't like me. And I'm like, see, I'm cursed. Women don't like me. I do global sisterhood. I do good things. Just like me. But I'm learning I'm just learning that if I don't feel safe inside, they don't feel safe. So it's a vibrational thing that's so subtle. And I think it's the same with like our hearts and relationships with a beloved. It's like the most vulnerable thing. It actually brings up our deepest wounds with our parents, our first loves, like you're saying. And it's like, there could be a way in which our fear, our trauma that's resonating attracts the situation into our lives. And I know that's kind of like a woo concept. And some people are like, eh, whatever, that's like woo-woo energy stuff. But I think it's true. I think it's I think true. It's I think it's true too. And I, it, it's hard for me a little bit because I end up taking more responsibility maybe for things than people feel comfortable with <laughs> because people want me to be defended from this thing that happened to me. But I naturally just want to do the work to take responsibility because I'm like, I create everything that I do or everything that happens to me. Um, Somehow, right? I'm in a co-creation. Like there's some energetic element that I'm co-creating with the universe. I feel that a lot, like whether it's good or whether it's bad in this like whatever, quote unquote, good and bad thing. So it's been interesting, like going through this process of being betrayed and then also very clearly seeing my part in that. It's so natural for me to want to take responsibility. There's a part of that that's also a wound of the feminine of like wanting to take responsibility and wanting to protect ourselves by being like, okay, well, if I do it differently this time, this next time, then like I'm not going to get hurt again, which is not real. Like sometimes people just hurt people and 
it's because they're hurt or they need some validation or they feel insecure or whatever the thing is. And so I can't, it can't be in control, but there is some curiosity I have around my responsibility. Yeah. It's an interesting thing because I too can overtake responsibility and I can be the one doing all of the work because I can then try to make repair and I go there and I'm like, okay, this is the side. This is my side of it. And I own everything. And then they're like, yeah, you're right. It's all you. And I'm like, wait, that, that backfired. And then I can create these resentments because I didn't have the courage to say, ow, that really hurt. I just go there being like, I see how I could have contributed contributed to this in this way. But I think what I'm learning is I'm learning that in my adultness and in my awareness and in my like desire to own myself and take responsibility, I can sometimes bypass the little girl. And I have to hold her and represent her in conflict vulnerably be small and be tender and and then also be my mature badass adult self-development person that I am <laughs> but I have to have I like it's a balancing because I think I've tried to overcompensate not to and I and it actually is to not to reveal my vulnerability because for some reason Sometimes when I reveal my vulnerability, like my deepest vulnerability, like I'm really hurt or I'm really angry or I'm really scared, those simple things, when those are true and and really active in me, revealing those to someone else feels dangerous. So I like to meet in this spiritual language of owning, but at the same time, I see how those kinds of dynamics, when people are just like, speaking in this like high intellectual way about their processes, they can be these like woo, passive aggressive people together rather than really just being raw and being like, ow, ow, I hurt, ow, you know, because it's, and I think as a child, I didn't feel safe doing that. I felt like a nuisance doing that. And so it's, a growth edge for me to be like, how I really hurt help, you know? So what you were sharing about that, ow, to me is the time of the feminine. It's returning to the emotions, to the heart, to the body, and actually tuning in to the feeling that's created inside without the story. It's so interesting because a lot of what I've been feeling is like, overwhelm, burnout, fire, anger. Like it's unleashed all this anger I had inside that I didn't know I had, but it's also related to burnout. It's all fire. It's all this like old fire that just like wants to tear through things. And it makes sense because here it's the end of summer, it's hot. And so it's interesting how just seasonally it's in tune But I guess what I'm finding like through all of it is just like the returning to the basics, you know, like you said, taking care of the little girl. It's like, what do I want? Not in some like crazy way, not in these crazy desires that I have for material things. Like I think you and I were talking about it, Lauren. It's just like to be content, to feel like Mm -hmm. happy with the moments, not something so grand. Maybe you could speak about that a little bit. Yeah. I've been going through a burnout for years. Shana has been watching me because the way that I operate has been, I've shared a little bit about it in the podcast has been interesting. It's been like other people and what they want for me is more important But at the same time, because I was oriented towards my goodness isn't how I show up for other people, there would be these moments of like shadow self-absorption because I need to focus on myself. So I would miss important things. And so I've been operating and it's the way I've, in, in a way, it's the way I've operated as the youngest child in my family. It's just the way I've operated. I think my family system has some of that, like martyrdom tendency. And I've done that with global sisterhood, I really have. And I've done that in relationships. 
I did it with Shayna. Like I, I've, we've talked about this. I used to give my power away from Shayna and I used to not speak my needs. And then I'd get mad because I, I didn't even realize I could have my needs met. And then I would feel like there was power over me. And I didn't really feel the empowerment to realize I could have what I want. I can have what I want. And when I think about what I want, you know, when I was younger, I was like, I want to change the world. I want to build this thing that's really great. And I think part of that was to understand that I'm capable, to understand that I, to like actualize my gifts and see my gifts be created. But also I think so that I could justify that I was doing good things so that I could potentially remedy the fact that in my heart due to my trauma, I thought I was bad. Not in my heart, but in my my wounding. I was like, oh, actually, I'm not good. And people are going to find out I'm not good. And God actually is going to see that I'm not good. And so I'm going to do all of these things to balance that. And so I ran around, ran around, ran around, trying to prove my worth. And I did great things. I'm a, I, I did beautiful things. I'm a cool person in what I've created. And there's something about it that's a facade. Because unless I am fully well and like giving myself that too, I can't maintain being this like giver that validates myself by being a giver, right? And so that was my burnout. It was learning how to have boundaries. It was learning that I could actually take time for myself. And in learning that I want time for myself, I don't have such grandiose dreams. I don't need to change the world. I just want to feel content in my own little corner. Like during my peak burnout, and this is a really vulnerable share that I'm really only starting to share with people. I used to wake up, I don't know, a couple, for a couple of years, I woke up and I was like, mm, all right, creator, I'm done. I'm done no more. I don't want to be here. This isn't my jam. Like this again, I can't do it. And so I would wake up heavy every day. And then I would sit at my altar and I would pray and I would shift out of it. And then I would rally and I kept going, but it didn't. And I was alarmed by the fact that I was doing, I had this feeling, but I just kind of was resolved to the fact that my life was going to be kind of dull and heavy. Like I was going to feel just a heaviness that was never going to go away. And that is just so not true. I've started making radical changes in my life, radical changes in my life with, within my family, within my career. I took a six-month sabbatical from Global Sisterhood to do soul searching and the fruits of that we're going to share with you at a later episode, what comes next in our journeys as two people. And I got married. I have let go of friendships. I've created new friendships. I've really started taking an honest reflection of who I am and where my energy is going and what actually refills me and what drains me. And I find that I'm actually quite simple. Simple is what I like. I love nature. I love nature. I love moving slow. I love to create. I love to create, but I don't want to create in this like rapid capitalist, I have to produce so that I can make money so that I can survive way. So I'm trying to understand, okay, how do I break the patterns of the rat race? How do I break the patterns of running around proving my worth? And how can I really be someone who is able to create a life that feels in reciprocity with nature and with my own being that cares for my little girl. And so I've been on that exploration and I gotta say, I'm doing so much better. I was on a vision quest. I did my very first vision quest guided by an elder and I was in the desert for six days by myself and she would bring me a little food and a little water. And it was really, really emotional because I was grappling with the part of me that didn't want to be on this earth. And by the end of it, I claimed to the spirits of the world, I claim my life, I claim my story, and I want to be here. No matter what happens, no matter what pain I face, I want to be here. And in that like radical, I claim who I am, I claim my life, I claim all that has happened, I claim it all, there's like a level of empowerment. Like I think part of my empowerment is I was, my disempowerment was that I was having a hard time claiming all of me. 
Now that I'm claiming all of me, it's like centering myself in a healthy way. It's like, oh, I deserve this life. I deserve to have a life that I feel good in. And so I've started taking really great steps and I'm feeling a lot better. And when one person in a family unit changes, like a lot of things change. And I have really powerful, amazing people in my family. My my brothers are amazing. My mom is amazing. Like every my sister's amazing. Everybody in my family is amazing. And we're strong people. And we've been in this transformation together. And it's been like, you know, when somebody in a family unit changes their role, it kind of like, like it kind of just like wigs the whole unit out. We have been in like a Whew, we have been in a thing. And so it's felt like a storm. And I'm like, oh my God, why? I'm just claiming my life. I'm just, I'm having happiness. Like why? And I realize that it's happening for me. It's happening for all of us. It's, we are all realizing that we deserve to be happier, you know? And so my lesson, my teaching is in the storm, the storms that happen inside of me too. You know, every every so often these like feelings come up and of fear, of anger, of not feeling good. And I think my little girl is scared of those sensations. And so I block the movement of the storm. I don't let the storm just pass through. I'm like, oh my God, what is this feeling? Oh my God, this feeling must mean something about my life and about this person, about this thing. And I get all caught up in a feeling as it moves through me. But I'm learning to allow these feelings that have been in me since I was a little girl from all that I've experienced to come up. And instead of me being afraid of them, like coach my little girl to breathe through them. And so I feel like I'm digesting and integrating trauma much easier from my past and currently like I'm digesting things better rather than letting them just knock me on the ground. So that was a tangent, I think. You asked a question. I don't remember what it was, but that was what I said. Well, I'm happy you shared. It's like as your friend, it's been incredible to watch you develop yourself in a way that you could really honor the younger part of you and the needs that you've always had, that you never felt like you were allowed to voice. But you had built all these walls being like, this is who I am. But then deep down inside, there was a part of you that needed to be acknowledged, but wasn't validating that part, like this heaviness you're experiencing. It's almost like there was something wrong, so it couldn't be a part of who you are. And I think that's what I'm realizing too. Exactly, It has to be the whole shebang. was running from that part. Right. Like that was the bad part of me. So run from that part. Right. But like, why, why am I broken? Why do I keep feeling these feelings? My life is good. Why do I feel these things? You know, at that division inside of myself kept the pain from digesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this is a really powerful lesson about transformation because I was talking to our friend Jordana today on the phone. And she's the thing about composting is that you actually have to let it smell like shit for a while. She's like, when you actually have compost, it has to smell bad. Like that's part of it. And then what do you do? You like add a little bit of organic material to it and you kind of like mix it around and stuff. And she's like, there's important lessons in that too. But the thing is you have to let it stink for a little while. And so it's like, as we go through this transformation process, it's not like, we have these realizations and then we come out the other side really clean and easy. No, to make compost actually takes a while. And then for the compost to become good soil for new things to be planted is also another process. And so, you know, nothing in life comes, like nothing in nature comes quickly. Like there's a whole development process before. Like you might see that a flower dies and turns into a fruit in a few weeks, but how many years did it take for that seed, you know, to be planted in that soil and for that soil to be cultivated so that seed could be planted and before that and on and on and on. And so it's it's just a reminder that, you know, we sometimes are like the flower that sprouts and it's all beautiful and colorful and and then it dies. <laughs> and then in a few weeks it becomes a fruit. And then the fruit dies if it's not harvested. And the cycle just keeps going. And that's life. It's just this process of becoming and dying, becoming and dying and transforming and dying and a lot of letting go and surrendering and trusting and becoming again. 
And that's the wholeness of the cycle. It's a cycle. It's a circle, you know? I love your ecology metaphors, how you connect transformation to nature so well. Do you know you do this in almost every episode? It's great. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things you do because it, it's such a reminder that we are nature and we need to be living true to our nature and not to fear our nature. And we pass through storms as a part of our nature. You know, we are daughters of the wind and of the rain and wind and rain create storms. So how do we become the eye of the storm? So how do we do it? You know, like what is the magic? And we have this beautiful teaching coming up. And I know that one thing for sure is our teachers have helped us remind us of who we are and how to pass through that. So if you could share a little bit about that. Well, I don't know where I would be without my teachers. And we all have teachers. Shane has a teacher for me. Maybe we're teachers for you. And if you would share with us, you would be a teacher for us. But there's something about women who have devoted their life to the degree that I feel we are devoting our lives and have lived embedded in nature and ceremony and ritual and spiritual healing for years and years and years and years. And they're older than us, or they've gotten way deeper than us. A lot of my teachers are in their seventies. And then there's some who are women who grew up in the Amazon and just were in a different culture and they can teach so many things about healing and we can teach and maybe not teach, but support and integration into the modern world, which Shane has been doing an excellent job at. And so is our friend Angelique. And I actually, I've been supporting too my teachers in the Amazon. And it's a really been a really powerful way for this reciprocity and for this equality, but at the same time have teachers who walk in a way more connected, more integrated, and able to see where we are. I know like, for instance, Claudia, she's just been able to see where I am. And even the elder, Wendigle was her name, who guided me on a vision quest. I was so impressed. There's a lot about my story that I feel a lot of people can't handle. Like I don't love certain therapists because I just don't think they can hold the multidimensional nature of both my trauma, my experience, and my mysticism because that's happening over like on top of each other. And I've healed myself through spiritual means. I haven't healed myself just through the conventional like Western way of like thinking about psychology. I have healed myself through healing my spirit with mixes, with like bits of psychology and all these really cool tools as well. But the teachers who have ability to like speak my language better than I speak it and reflect to me things that I had not yet seen. And they're always so simple, yet they're so profound. And I am so grateful to feel held by teachers to help me just what I'm not seeing. That's it. See what I'm not seeing in a gentle, loving way and help me reconnect because the power of transformation, the spirit of transformation, the truth of transformation, it does not come from our minds. Our minds are a tool that can help implement the revelations we receive from spirit, right? We receive the healing from spirit, from nature. And then our minds are meant to help us understand how to walk with that healing so that it takes root, so that it really transforms. And so that's the great thing about having like control over the mind or being the master of the mind is you train the mind how to connect with spirit, to have a conversation, to really receive the guidance, to receive the healing, to believe it, to have faith. And then the mind helps you put in the discipline and put in the practices so that the transformation becomes actualized into the material. And that's what I feel like our teachers have taught us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I I feel so, <laughs> in a way, overwhelmed because, you know, when I end up working with my teachers, I go through the transformation process before the course arrives. And so right now we're doing this upcoming three-week diet and spiritual study 
called The Spirit of Transformation. And boy, have I been going through it. And that's just what happens when you work with these really powerful leaders and teachers. And, you know, we have the honor of hosting Hushahu, which it's her first time working with the Global Sisterhood. And she's a woman that I have deep, deep, deep respect for. And to be honest, I'm also kind of like frightened of her and her power because she's one of these women that I feel like I would not want to get on her bad side. (laughs) But she is also one of my idols that I just like can't even fathom the walk that she had to go through to get to where she is. And so basically the little story on her is that she was the first woman within the Yawanawa tradition to drink uh, the sacrament of ayahuasca, which they call uni. And I love the name that they have uni because uni in their language means one. And so when you connect with the medicine, it creates this coherent connection between all things, all beings, all spirits, all plants, all nature. So that's how these people receive a lot of the revelations about the plants and the forest and the magic of nature and the interconnection between all things. And so back in the day, the Yawanawa did not have women participating in their spiritual ceremonies. Women were not allowed to basically participate in anything that had to do with spirit, which is wild that this like patriarchal narrative traveled even to the depths of the Amazon rainforest. And even in their spiritual stories, where they have these, they call them the Shinipahus, they're these wisdom stories that they have within their tradition. Even within these stories, there's only one story of a mortal woman, because they have many stories of spirit women spirits that have power, but they only have one story of a mortal woman having power. And it's only because of this like terrible hardship she had with her husband. And so there was no context for a woman to be in the world of the spiritual until Hushahu felt this deep calling in her heart. And she embarked on the sacred diet of the Mukha, which is a year-long diet and initiation of their people. It's one of the most intense initiations you can go through. And it was only because her sisters agreed to support her in that year-long process that she was actually able to embark on it. It was only because of her sister's cooperation and their support that she was able to do that work. And so I think that's really important because I don't think that transformation can be done in isolation. Like this whole idea that We have to heal ourselves. Like we only heal ourselves because we're in community, because we're in this safe enough space with people, with teachers, with other sisters that we actually can be able to transform. And so, yeah, so she's coming to teach about the spirit of transformation. I actually can't think of a better teacher because through her initiation, she changed an entire culture. You know, now the Yawanawa women not only participate in ceremony, they are like, the centerpiece of the spiritual force of their peoples. And Matsini, who's the current chief of and the tribe. And economic as well. And economic as well. And Matsini, when we were on tour this summer, he was talking about like, the mother is the most important. Like everyone comes from a womb. And so just even the conversations that they're having, the teachings that they're sharing, go so deep into the respect of the feminine. And so she really brings that force and yeah, like Lauren was saying, not just for the spirituality, but also for the economic resource that she's been able to help these women access through, you know, they're now like bracelets that they're making, the spiritual designs and the hand-painted dresses and all these kind of new business enterprises that they're doing based on the artisanal skills. So we're really excited to host her. Is your cat, is your cat sneezing? My cat might be purging. <laughs> oh, Are no. you okay for on my bed? Are you okay? You feel that strong? Everybody send love to Flora. <laughs> Flora the cat. A Flora cat. Everyone thinks it's Flora cat. No, it's Flora. <laughs> Flora cat. Flora cat. Okay, so I want to share just a little bit more. This program we're doing with Wushahu is it's called the Spirit of Transformation, and it begins on the 11th. And if you are listening to this a little bit later, we will have late registration. You can join a little bit late, but it is closing on the 11th. If you're hearing this before, you want to join on the 11th. It is going to be a journey that we discuss the spirit of transformation with a real life teacher, like a really beautiful spiritual teacher. And much of the proceeds go to the economic well-being of the Yawanawa village. 
And it's truly an opportunity for all of us to come together and learn what it means to channel spirit and then become masters of the mind so that we can walk as the eye of the storm feeling fulfilled. Exactly. And we get to do it together. And so it'll be Kenema and Hushahu guiding the experience and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. I'm so excited. And as always, we have some sliding scale prices. So just reach out to us. The link is in the show notes. Shana, do you want to give the link right now too? Yeah. So it's globalsisterhood.org backslash spirit dash of dash transformation. And yeah, this weekend we'll be adding some sliding scale prices and we have room for scholarships as well. And yeah, just remember that we ask to use integrity when you choose your price because yeah, this money is supporting a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. I feel like that was a therapy session for me, Shana. Oh my God. Totally. I feel so much better and I miss the podcast. Miss the podcast. Okay. So with that, we do have some special news about the podcast. We will we're coming back for another episode, but just like a little heads up, we are going to take a little bit of a longer break and we'll give you all the details on that for our next little, our couple episodes coming up before that happens. And we're going to announce some pretty big through our transformation upgrades. We believe it's going to be upgrades to the podcast and to everything we're creating and some changes. So yeah. So that's coming up soon. Coming soon. So thank you all for listening. It's really such a pleasure to go on this journey with all of you and just sending so much love to each of you because I know that in the small or big ways, we're all going through a giant transformation process right now. So well done. It's really true. Shall we end with a breath? Yeah, let's do it. Let's end. So wherever we are, Honoring the little one within. And if the little one is scared about what's occurring or hurting about what's occurring in your life, spend some time with the little one. Talk to it. Coach it through. And we'll see you in the spirit of transformation. See you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Time of the Feminine podcast. It is such an honor every time to be able to host these conversations and to share the stories of the beautiful people we get the opportunity to interview. And so if you enjoyed this podcast, please go ahead and leave us a review. You can do so on Apple Podcasts and write a nice note, or you can do so on Spotify by leaving stars. We so appreciate every single one of you that's taken the effort to go out and to share with others and with our community about how this podcast has touched you. It really means so much to us since for us, this is a labor of love. And so thank you for giving back in that way.